Hi, my name's Matt, and I'm a Pistons fan. This is my Uncle Drew. Hello. Welcome to Emo Town. So, Drew, how was Christmas? Christmas was fantastic. Wife knew that we were doing the podcast, got me my first Pistons jersey. Oh, awesome. It was a Christian Wood jersey. It wasn't awesome. She didn't know. It's okay. Oh, it's <laughs> so sad, um, which actually launches me into one of the things that I want to talk about, if you don't mind. Let's do it. Christian Wood played really good in his regular season debut oh, with the Houston Rockets. Uh, it It's so hard to see. I mean, it's great. It's great to see that. But I've been saying this whole time, I think Christian Wood is a really good player, and I think he's going to do very well in Houston. And I think there's going to be a lot of reason to have a certain amount of hurt feelings about his not being in Detroit. So I was trying to emotionally prepare myself for this, but seeing that stat line was, was tough. It was, it was really tough. It was also tough that like right at the same time, Andre Drummond comes back to town. So Andre Drummond came back to town yesterday and, uh, you know, I don't know. It just, it gets me upset. You know, like, also today I found out that The Office is leaving Netflix here at the end of the month. And uh, oh, God. and Fred Claus is coming to Netflix in January, which is still not as bad of a trade as that Andre Drummond trade. You know, Matt, they say that it comes in threes. Obviously, uh, Drummond and Christian Wood and, and now Fred Claus. So I just – that Andre Drummond trade, Drew – It might have been the lowest point in my fandom of anything. And I didn't know, like, if, like, if I would make it through this Christian Wood debacle going into the offseason. And I just want to remind everybody listening that he didn't just get away. This, this is me bargaining. This is the bargaining phase of my grief. He didn't just get away. Uh, he was he was eventually his contract was roped into that sign and trade that got us Isaiah Stewart, which is still not as bad as that Andre Drummond trade. <laughs> um, I just what, what, was Drummond worse for you than Chauncey? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yep. Chauncey was Chauncey was the wrong decision at the right time and Drummond was the right decision at the wrong time. If that makes sense. So like Chauncey gets traded and the Pistons have been stagnant and unable to get out of the Eastern conference finals for, I think three years or something at that point, it might've even been four. Um, and, and that's obviously just the glory days still at this point. Uh, but uh, it, it made a certain amount of sense that, like, Jody was like, okay, maybe I need to, 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 to make some changes to kind of get this team over the hump. Something different needs to happen. And, and they were all getting kind of old, even though it could be argued that the one who had the most left is the one who he, he ended up trading, which is a little bit silly because – I think if 
I don't want to go back and try and like trade a different guy for somebody else or anything like that. That's, that's hard to do. It's a difficult thought experiment to even put my mind back into like who was in the league in 2008 or nine or whenever that was. Um, but like, you can kind of understand why he did it. And it just was, it was the right time to make a trade. He traded the wrong guy with, with Drummond two years earlier when he was still viewed as a a top three center in the league and his rebounding was still really highly valued. And he had just started to be able to hit about 60% of his free throws. That was the time to trade him. If if you were going to trade him, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, Mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, I have my beefs about, Andre Drummond is not the problem in this situation. The problem in this situation is when a B-level player who plays for a C-minus team thinks he deserves 30% of that team's salary cap just because they have the ability to give it to him and he's the best player on the team. Yeah. And again, not saying a lot that he was the best player. I mean, the man was a 20 and 20 kind of guy. He's yeah. very feasible about every night. But there was a lot of flaws to his game. And that's why his trade value wasn't – it was higher than what we got, substantially higher than what we got. But his trade value wasn't that great because of that. It, you just, they just waited too long. They waited so long. And, 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 and really, it, there was nothing about Andre Drummond by that point that even had pushed his value so low. The thing that pushed his value so low is that anybody with – any amount of basketball sense could see that the Pistons had painted themselves into a corner at the end of the SVG era. And they had too many big men and they, it, it was, they had, and, and Andre Drummond also at that point was starting to develop this ability to kind of, you saw it a little bit in the game, which I don't want to dive into too much, but you saw this in the game just last night against Cleveland where Andre Drummond can really do these behind the back and like little bounce passes around traffic in the post to cutters. He's really good at it. And he was, when they had traded for Blake, I think he was averaging just shy of three assists a game, which was really, uh, it was not the top, but it was upper echelon for centers in the league at the time. He, you took away his ability to be that guy when you brought in Blake Griffin, because Blake Griffin kind of needs to be that guy. And it, Anybody with any amount of basketball sense, hence all the other GMs in the league, can see that they've they've got to trade this guy and we don't need to offer anything for him. And if you guys want to hold on to him for another year and cause all these cap problems for yourself, that's fine. We'll sign him in two years. We don't need him so desperately. Yeah. The worst kept secret in the NBA the last two years that he was with us was that he wasn't going to be with us. Right. Right. I mean, it, it was a it, it was. It was as simple as we know he's not going to be there when his contract is up. So get something for him while you can or don't. It's up to you. And and John Henson in a second round pick just ain't it. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm out right right now. I it's just been brought to my attention actually that uh NBC, their uh, Peacock streaming service, is going to have season one of The Office available on their free tier. Okay. And, okay. 
And and I, I just got to say that I think I would rather watch season one, season one <laughs> of The Office every day for the rest of my life than see one more trade like that Andre Drummond trade. To the listeners that don't watch The Office, season one is easily, and my, mostly because Michael Scott, who he, he just wasn't who he was the rest of the time yet, but mostly because of Michael Scott, season one is easily the worst season really the rest every day the rest of your life you have to watch season one of the office or i have to watch the pistons trade away an actual star player for nothing one or the other i'd rather watch season one of the office every day with commercials for the rest of my life with commercials is that emo i don't know if it's emo or not (laughs) but we're getting into the territory uh (laughs) I, 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 oh, another thing, another thing. Um, recently, I tried to get onto my Disney Plus to watch uh, some some Avengers movies and things like that. And the only one of them that I could get to play was Thor 2. Oh. And I'm going to tell you right now, Drew. I would rather watch Thor 2 every time I was hankering for a superhero movie every time for the rest of my life then see one more trade like that Andre Drummond trade. I don't wow. think I could survive it again. I'm just saying. I get I get upset. So you're telling me that if there was an end table every time you rounded a corner and you had your left shoe on but for whatever reason your right foot was bare and exposed and every time you rounded that corner you would hit your big toe on that end table. You would take that every time over watching that trade happen again. Every time. Every time. I would do welcome one worse. I would, I would rather welcome to emo town. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, on that note, a mark, a mission, a brand, a scar, a seminal dashboard confessional album, or the first week of the 2020-21 Detroit Pistons? What do you think, Drew? Wait, run it by me again. Run it by me again. What? A mark, a mission, a brand, a scar. Is this a seminal dashboard confessional album? Or the first week of the 2020-21 Detroit Pistons? What is the difference? It's sad. It's disappointing. I'm not, I'm not overly joyed with us blowing multiple. I don't know if we had a double-digit lead in the second game there. I, don't, I think we were only up by eight. Derrick Rose had an awesome pass out there. We, we'll, get to the, we'll get to the games in a minute. I'm not happy with how we're closing out games. Um, disgusting. It's horrible. Matt, how was your Christmas? I didn't ask. My Christmas was mostly spent thinking about the 16 point lead that we blew in the and Christmas Eve too, to be honest with you in that Minnesota Timberwolves game. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, I had a socially distanced, uh, meaning me and my wife by ourselves in our house and doing some FaceTime Christmas. And that was awesome, but left a lot of time to be thinking about all 16 of those points that we lost in the fourth quarter. You've had your adorable cat there with you to help you get through it. Yeah, she just wants food or butter or something most of the time, it seems like. Uh, 
I, one thing though, I, I do want to say, uh, you see the the quote from Carl Anthony Towns after the game. I did not. He basically said that uh, the laughing, smiling Carl Anthony Towns is is dead, and that's not him anymore. He's all business. No, he's sad about his his mom and like. I think oh, seven God. members yes, of his family right. died he of COVID. He lost his mother to COVID. Yeah. Yeah I, think, yeah. I think he lost seven members of his family. It just, so I feel really awful for the guy. So like, you know, I, I don't, it doesn't really matter what I do and I'm not a super religious guy, but I said a little prayer for Carl Anthony Towns just cause you know, I, I, I legitimately felt bad for him, you know, uh, hearing him say that and seeing that like, uh, he played really good, and I, if, I felt good actually seeing him play because it was in my mind what he had been through. And I think George Blaha even might have brought it up. Um, so it was definitely on my mind what he had been through, and it was good to see him play well and, and to see that he was uh, able to focus on basketball at all. And, and he, like, ferociously blocked a couple of shots, and he was very in the game and played very well. And uh, so it was good to see that. But then when I saw the quote after the game, it was just, oh, it was gut-wrenching. So, um, you know, so anybody who hears this, if you're, uh, if you're the praying type, say a little prayer for Cat. Cause, you, know you know what? I'm not even against uh, – but let's just do it right now. Let's take a quick moment of silence for the people that have been lost to COVID. And, sure. Uh, whether yeah. you're a professional NBA player or whatever it is, you know. Uh, yeah. We're, you know, if, if you need to reach out to us via any of our social media or whatever, feel free to. And, and we're here to listen. So yeah, much totally. larger than basketball. Yeah. Okay, well, and coming off of that note, uh, it was really nice to see Josh Jackson play so well in his regular season Pistons debut. Another it made feel, my feel prediction good look story. good. It did make your prediction look good, and it was a feel good story for uh, you know for a guy uh, coming home and and trying to fix his reputation a little bit. So, yeah, and uh, it looks like he's going to do that. Game two, his minutes dropped a little bit, and I'm not quite sure what. Dwayne Casey's doing with uh, with his rotation, and I don't think he knows what he's doing at this point. He's we didn't need to give him a little bit of a break, okay? He is just just in case he's the coach, and it, it doesn't mean he's not also the professional among professionals, and he also needs to find what works best, as well as the players are trying to find their way of how to play with one another and what works best on the course. So, um, that being said, I don't think he has a clue what he's doing. Yeah, I I don't know either, man. I How many times in the first two games have we seen either Derrick Rose or Blake Griffin try to iso and get into the paint and either dribble off their own shin or their defender's Shoot. ankle? Yeah. It Well, Blake Griffin, although I I'd mentioned before was going to be a focal point to our offense and what we did and and you know, if we were scoring, the ball would go through his hands. He has this tendency to turn his back to the basket as soon as he gets past the three-point line, like as soon as he gets past it, sometimes before. And it slows our offense down. You can see he's looking over his shoulder, debating if he's going to make his next move or find a cutter, find somebody open outside. And it is slowing our offense down. I'm not, I'm not big on the whole, let's, you know, run through the same offense over and over and over again and hope that somebody finally gets open. But, you know, I, I understand the importance of going through your reads, 
there are no reads. It's put the ball in Blake Griffin's hands, watch him go back to the basket and hope he finds somebody that's open when they crash on him. And he's not exactly, he's not exactly this big, incredible, large guy who if they don't double down on the paint, he's going to score every time. So they don't have to do that. Again, I just, I think the fluidity of our offense is falling apart and it's, you know, game two, or I guess going into game three. Yeah. It's, it's hard not to see that. And he does this little move a lot of the time. Sometimes it, it works fine, I guess, but sometimes he does this little stutter, I guess you'd call it almost like a stutter step before he starts dribbling. It almost looks like he's about to travel. I think he's been called for it twice since the first preseason game. He's been called for a travel, and it, sometimes it looks like he's about to fall flat on his face. I I, I know exactly <sighs> what you're talking about, actually. It, it, I don't know if he's trying to do like a – if because he also kind of does this one-handed, and it works out great when he does this half the time, this little one-handed fake pass. He had one last night against the Cavs. Uh, a little one-handed fake pass that he pulled right back into his body and shot a three-pointer when he was hot, and it was pretty looking. So I understand kind of like what he's getting at with some of that stuff, but it just seems like when the other team is playing good defense, like when they're really nailed down, we don't really have a good plan for what to do in those situations. It's just, Derek... I can watch the Warriors play. And I, I hate to use them as the example. I know everybody's sick of hearing about them. Even, and even today, how, how horrible they played. They lost mm-hmm. by 25 and then by 39. When I watch them play, I can see that they're running an offense. I can literally sure. see them running a play. I don't see that when I watch the Pistons play almost 40% of the time. And that seems low. Yeah. I don't see them running an actual offense when I watch the Boston Celtics play basketball. Oh, here we go. I can see them running the offense, but I don't see that with the Pistons. And I think that <laughs> I, I just, I, <laughs> I think that if we're going to, if we're going to turn the page, uh, shout out to, to Bob Seger. If we're going to turn the page, <laughs> we have to, we have to develop something other than get the ball in Blake Griffin or Derek Rose's hands. And we're going to find that out. I don't know how breaking this news is to you, but Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin is out, left the injury for management. Mm-hmm. Derek Rose is going to be resting. And mm-hmm. we have questionable players, uh, Jalil Okafor, right ankle sprain, and Siku, right in front mm-hmm. soreness. That being said, um, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because we haven't talked enough about the first two games, but uh, what do you think our offense looks like without them two on the court? Because again, they control almost all of the offense. Every bit of it, actually. I, I hate to say almost. I think every bit of it, they control it. It'll be really interesting to see. I think a lot of – you're going to see a lot of Jeremy Grant. You're going to see a lot of Mason Plumley dishing out dimes from the high post, or at least trying to. Uh, who's your three-man? Who's your, who's, your, who's your third? What do you, <sighs> I, don't, I, I don't know. That I, don't know I mean, it'll I be, think Josh it'll be Jack, Jack be when he's guy. on the yeah, floor. Yeah, yeah. Right. Who do you want to see more of? And, and who do you expect to do the best? I, obviously, Jeremy Grant's going to do good. But, I mean, aside from Jeremy Grant and my, you know, Plumlee, who's going to surprise you? Well, I think that – I think from the injury report I saw from uh, the Detroit News or Detroit Free Press, one or the other, was that uh, Seku was probable. So yes, he is probable. Yeah, so I, I think that 
I think Siku could probably benefit greatly from Blake Griffin's absence. I, I think there's a chance you might see Jeremy slotted over into the four and Siku at the three, or maybe even Josh Jackson at the three. There's a, there's a chance, I guess, that they keep Jeremy at the four, but I don't think the games that Blake sits, they're going to play Jeremy out of position. We talked a little bit about Dwayne Casey and what he's doing with our lineup. And unfortunately, we're not going to get any closer to any answers this week. I think it'll help them realize who's more of a talent than others and who's who's playing well. But we still don't we won't have any answers after this game either because we're missing too many key pieces. I'm starting to like I said in our little uh, our, our little season preview podcast that I thought that the ceiling of the team was somewhere between. 28 and 38 wins. And I guess there's a chance that that could be taken as though I think they're going to win between 28 and 38 games. I think that is the, the, the best that they could do is somewhere between 28 and 38 games. And, and those 10 games will be directly determined by how they play in games just like the last two that they were in, where they should have won and found creative ways to let the other team back into the game. So, so to me, real 26 and 36. Yeah, it really <laughs> is that it really is to me. It's like, I, I, I still think that they could win 30 games. I still think that they could win 38 games. I stand by that, that the ceiling of this team all clicking. Cause when they, when they say that we're the worst team in the league, they don't, that means that they're not taking any kind of uh generous predictions for guys like Jeremy Grant or Josh Jackson. And we have maybe a little bit more of a close-up view than the average national NBA writer, even if they know basketball a little bit better. Mm-hmm. We've just only – I'm only – you watch other stuff. I really only watch the Pistons, and I follow the rest of the NBA. But I can see little bits that suggest to me that anybody who thinks that Jeremy Grant can expand from his role that he had in Denver – is wrong. There will be warts along the way and how long those bumps in the road last will determine how successful exactly his season is. But I think he's going to be successful in proving that he can have an expanded offensive role. He's showing it. Well, there are two like that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, and and like Josh Jackson is widely considered to be like kind of a head case and people, uh, an erratic three point shooter and, I think he's going to prove to be a lot more and a lot better than he's been. He's already shown a commitment to defense and rebounding that I think has been absent in a lot of his career. And uh, his three-point shooting is much improved. These NBA writers that pick us to be 29th in the league, they aren't seeing these things yet because they, they have other teams they'd rather watch the preseason of. They just know what we've put together. Do you kind of yeah. get what I'm saying? Absolutely. Well, so, like, the, the, I the see – oh, from sorry. This. So the, the takeaways that I'm getting from this are, one, if if we play like we did these first two games, and I know that we blew big leads, we are not sure. last in the league. We're not. We're just not. not at all. We're not always going to fall apart with four minutes. Almost identically, they fell apart with four minutes left. Um, and we can touch on that in a little bit. But this is not the worst team in the league. Not after what I've seen. Pistons, Nation. Coming from the guys on the Emotown podcast, do not, get, do not get discouraged by what you're about to see these next four games. It's going to look bad. 
they're playing a tougher schedule and the Warriors, although uh, injured, are still a good team. They still have Steph Curry. I watched a video of him making 105 three-pointers in a row for five-plus minutes straight. They still have Steph Curry. So, you know, you're going to play the Celtics. You're going to – the Hawks are a decent team. Trey Young is going to be difficult to stop without Derrick Rose, with rookie Killian Hayes. Don't get discouraged by what you're about to see. It may be a rough start to the season, but I'm confident that it's going to look better as we go along. The team is going to develop that chemistry that we've been talking too much about. I am confident that we're going to get better going forward. It's just going to take a little And, and I am too. I am too. Like that's uh, – uh, there's nothing you're saying there that I disagree with. I just think that the the floor of this team in a 76-game season – or 72-game season, excuse me, has always been – like 19 wins. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's the floor. So I, I yeah, I, I think they could add an additional, like, you know, 19 wins on top of that, because I think they will be in a lot of games. I think we saw in the preseason that this team's going to be in a lot of games. Yeah. And, and I think that some of those games against the weaker teams in the league, or actually, the way it'll more than likely go is is some of these games that they get in with some of the better teams in the league, they're going to win because these better teams in the league will be sleeping on them. And then teams like that are kind of on their level, like the Cavaliers, are going to come in and they're going to treat this like a, like a very evenly matched, meaningful game in a way that a better team might not. So they're going to – some of these games they're just naturally going to win. But some of them, when it turns into a real dogfight, that's what's going to determine that 10-win difference in their ceiling, I really feel. And what I've seen the last couple of days tells me that like they, they, they don't have it. The problem they just don't is, have it. is to win those 10 games, you have to play with a lot of heart. Who on this team does it seem – because they're, they're playing, right? They're playing basketball. Like they're supposed to go up. But who on this team is really playing – with a lot of heart by, by what that definition is. Like they're putting, they're all out there. They're doing everything they can. They're very emotional. And it, I, I just don't see a lot of emotion. I mean, even, even after dunks and, and, and beautiful passes that lead to, you know, on the fast break, on the fast sure. break, I, I just don't see a lot of high-fiving and cheering and excitement. And, you know, you don't hear them, but their mouths are wide open. You can tell that they're screaming and they're pumped up. And I'm just not seeing that. Yeah, I, I think that Blake and Derek are doing a fair amount of that, but, like, they're also doing a fair amount of, you know, driving the car off the road a little bit, too, in these really crucial times. Like, in game one, I, I felt like Derek Rose kind of blew the game for us. I, I felt like like it was weird. Like, it was almost like the Monstars just showed up and took his handle away. Like the rest of his game was still there, but his handle was gone and some big purple dude had it, you know, like it just. From my point of view, I I blamed Killian. He had those two turnovers off lazy passes to Blake Griffin. And it, I just think it deflated the (laughs) game. So it did deflate. Again, we find ourselves in a position of what does Dwayne Casey do? Does he do what he normally does? Is he stick with the proven veteran who is not playing great? Or do we go with a rookie who may not be made for the big moments just yet? 
it's, he's in a lose-lose situation and Pistons Twitter loves it. And they don't love it, but you know what I mean? Like they eat it up because you're damned if you're doing, you're damned if you don't. Oh, it's been fire Dwayne Casey nonstop, nonstop. And, and, I, and I hate to echo some of what they have to say, but I, I kind of, I, I don't agree that he necessarily needs to be fired right now. That's not what I'm trying to say, but I do look at his rotation and some of his decisions I find them questioning or questionable at the very, I find myself questioning the whole damn thing, to be honest with you. Like I, I would rather see in a situation where, and we'll get more into game two, but game two and game one were so similar that it's hard not to talk about them together a little bit. And I kept seeing situations where I, I don't understand why you're not playing the kid. If the veterans are going to play as bad as the, as bad as they did there there came a point in time in game two when you've got Blake Griffin and Derek Rose each just chucking up bad shot after bad shot after bad shot and just shooting them out of the game after both of those guys at times shot them right into the game yeah I'm gonna fastball you a couple of numbers Matt um and then I'm gonna gonna just kind of have you give me what you think about it because I think the numbers I'm gonna give you are gonna be an indication of how I feel uh so we're gonna we're going to play a game and we're going to pretend that we're Oprah Winfrey and we're giving out minutes. We're giving out minutes like Oprah hands out free cars. Okay. Sadiq Bay played zero minutes against the Timberwolves. Not a minute. He played six against the Cavs. You up in his minutes for game three. Obviously there's the injuries involved there. So it's a little bit tougher because obviously the minutes are going to go up. Is he in the right category? Is he in the zero to six range or does he deserve more minutes or, or, or what do you expect? What do you want to see? It's tough with Sadiq. I would like to see him play more because I think that all he really needs to do is just make that first shot. And then like everything's just going to come undone and we're going to see a whole lot of uh, promising things. He'll still play like a rookie and he'll still maybe even be a little bit behind Killian right now. But uh, at the same time, I think that you have potential to develop a potential stay at home kind of upper echelon role player, lower level star in Josh Jackson. And, and so I don't want, I, I don't necessarily want city uh, to take his minutes. So I got to cut and, you off there. I know you didn't get too much sure. into it, but that's actually yeah, my sure. next guy. Jay, okay, Jay Jack yeah. goes for 28 minutes against the wolves. And in double overtime against the Cavs, he lost 10. He played 18 minutes with how well he played against the Timberwolves. And, I I mean, I don't understand how you cut him 10 whole minutes while also going to double overtime. And I think that's why people are so (coughs) mad with Dwayne Casey. How do you – how do you – how do you – the guy who went off for us and played so well, and, again, Jeremy Grant did well, too, uh, in game two, but – how do you not play him? I'm going to give you uh, 24 seconds on the shot clock for this because uh, uh, we'll see what you're thinking. You ready? Sure. Get it. I don't have anything for why you wouldn't play him those extra 10 minutes. I just don't, especially when he has a history of playing power forward and Blake played 40-some-odd minutes in game two. He's fourth in minutes in the league right now, Blake. Blake Griffin is fourth in the league? Yeah, in minutes. Uh, yeah, I, I, 
I don't get it myself. I'm yeah, like, that's crazy. I, didn't, I did not it? know that. That's a beautiful fact that I did not know. <laughs> and I don't, it doesn't make sense. Freaking crazy. Well, here's the thing. This is what's um, crazier. We are so stacked at the forward position at the big man. Mm-hmm. It was so stacked in that area. Mm-hmm. How can you possibly play this guy? This many, and I, I know that he's honestly, he is the best player on the, on the court for us. I get that. Or, or you sure. know what? Maybe not. I mean, maybe not. He's the most complete player. He's certainly the most complete player that we have out there. But from what I see, Josh Jackson looked great in game one. I'm not saying he's good as Blake Griffin. Don't don't hang me. But, yeah, totally. But Jeremy Grant did really well in that last game. And it, it's, it, it just yeah. feels like these minutes could be distributed a little bit better. Uh, one more for us. Um, Svee played 14 minutes against the Wolves and 24 minutes against the Cavs. And before we indulge in that, just a quick fact that I'm sure you're aware of. Svee is averaging three, two, and one. Three points, two assists, one rebound. He's shooting 29.4% and 14% from beyond the arc. Last I checked, I think he was... I think he made two three-pointers and he had shot 14. I think he's two of 14 from beyond the arc. And his minutes went up by uh, 10. Yeah. 14 to 24. And DeLon Wright's not playing bad basketball. He's moving the ball really well. He was two or three from beyond the arc. And I know it's more than just three-point shooting. But I'm focusing that because that is what we're seeing out of Svee. We're seeing uh, – he's just chucking him up. And I get that when you're in a slump, you've got to just kind of let it fly a little bit to get yourself out of it. I love the confidence. I do. I, I genuinely do love the confidence that he's displaying – it shows that, you know, even though everybody and their mother recognizes that he's not shooting the ball well, he's still not afraid to let it fly because that's who he is. But he's not hitting his shots. And I think that by decreasing his minutes, it would just it would make it worse for him and it would kind of get in his head a little bit. But you don't add 10 more minutes. You don't have to decrease his minutes, but you don't have to add 10 more minutes to him from game one to game two just based off of what you've seen. I, I think you got to get him going. Um, and I don't know. And, I, and you might be right. Absolutely. You know, shoot for somewhere in the middle there. But I, I think the plan is for him to play somewhere close to half the game in an average game. And you really want to get him going because you're either going to keep him right or, or you're going to trade him. And that's and that was kind of my point with a lot of these guys and why you don't necessarily need to rush to play some of the Like there's a lot of calls on Twitter for like Isaiah Stewart to play more. And I would love to see him play more, but I'd also like to see Jaleel Okafor succeed because that's a very tradable contract. Yes, it is. I don't want to see Jaleel succeed because I want us to win with him. Don't get me wrong. I want right. to trade him. You want to trade I want him? To trade him as anybody else should you want, want to, trade to trade him. him. Yeah. Right. You want to trade Jaleel? Well, Savi is going to get him to play well and trade. He's going to get at least equal minutes this upcoming game. He's at least going to play twenty-four with Derrick Rose out. Um. What are you hoping to see from him? Obviously better shooting, but what else do you want to see intangible wise? Or uh, he's not moving the ball well. Even at a shooting guard position, you're a shooting guard. You can average more than two assists. Uh, what do you want to see more from him? I, I I don't really hate too much of the way Safi's playing basketball right now. I hate that the shots aren't falling. You say he's not moving the ball well. I see other people not making their shots. I think assist numbers are 
tricky because tri- it 50, requires 50, yeah. it, it requires somebody else to make the shot for you to get that assist. Um, so I don't I don't hate a, in, very much of what he's doing. Uh, he's handling the ball pretty well, and he's actually got to the rim against the Cavs a couple of times pretty well. Uh, I, I don't hate a lot of what he's doing, but I do kind of. I, I got to be honest, man. I wish – I'm just hoping he starts to hit the three-pointers a little bit and starts to hit a shot and, and also starts to learn that there's – every now and then he should be taking a mid-range shot. It doesn't always have to be a three. It doesn't always have to be a three. Um, anything else you want to say about, about game game one in particular? Um, you know, uh, we, we talked a little bit about Kid Hayes kind of falling apart there. Uh I'll say this. Uh, again, we talked a little bit about Jay Jack and his 19 points. He shot 57%. He shot 57%. Yeah. And that is, that is nice. On a, you know, for a it team is. that didn't shoot really well late, um, I, I think that his second half was even better. And uh, I'm hoping to see more of that from him. So, no, that's, that's pretty much it for me for, for game one. All right, cool. Well, uh, I think that we're going to take a quick timeout, probably the one that Dwayne Casey should have taken when they were only winning by about five in game one there. And uh, we'll be back with you guys again in just a second. And we're back from our quick 20. Uh, so, Drew, specifically game two any any thoughts you want to get to about that game in particular right away um you know i I hate to jump to the end of the game but it's the one that stands out to me the most uh the pistons blew a nine point lead in the first overtime on top of the lead that they of course already had blown yeah throughout the entire game and and i i know i'm kind of jumping straight to the end here but that's just what resonates to me the most It, it was one thing to blow it um, in, in regulation. But when we get to that first overtime, you got a nine-point lead. And uh, it, again, it just seemed like Dwayne Casey didn't have a clue what to do with that rotation because we st- we'd, we'd start to squander it again. And there's he's not taking the timeouts. He's not, he's not making the, the changes. It, it just it doesn't feel like he has a clue what to do yet. And again, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's also dealing with all new players. Um. But, you know, I saw this post and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to trying to trying to take myself back to it. I think that it it says something around the lines of when Andre Drummond, if Andre Drummond were to say hello to anybody, he would only have to say hello to Derrick Rose, Blake Griffin and Svee. Yeah. Yep. That's it. That's it. Yep. So I, I'm trying to give Dwayne Casey the benefit of the doubt that he, this is just a bunch of guys that he's still trying to figure out. But I just don't think he's coaching them well to start and i'm not calling for his job i'm not that guy here's the thing you can't develop an offense or defense and learn it well by constantly switching out coaches and and nobody seems to ever formulate any real bond to anybody or anything because guys are constantly moving and it just that's not winning basketball so i'm not calling for his job i just hope that he kind of figures things out a little bit more as he should uh, these next four games, which are going to be tough games, and I don't expect them. I don't expect us to win. I think I our best chance to, to win, win yeah. one. I think our best chance was against the Hawks, <laughs> and we don't have Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose, so I don't think we're going to win one. Yeah, I don't either. 
uh, obviously, we both think that Dwayne Casey's rotations are just really bad. But I'm going to tell you one thing right now, Drew. They're still not as bad as that Andre Drummond trade. <laughs> no, no, they're not. <laughs> I'm never you know, going to let about, it go. How about, how about a, a positive takeaway? Grant went 28 and 10. Yeah, and three Jeremy blocks. Grant was 28 and 10. I got his whole yeah, thing yes, right here in three front blocks, of me. Yes. 9 and 14 me. from the floor. 9 of 14 from the floor. That's I'll That's take that. Shooting. I'll take that every yep. day. Uh, 4 of 8 from 3. And 6 of 8 from the free throw line. That's good shooting. Uh, I'd got... like to see the free throws be 100%, but beggars can't be choosers. I, I think that's good shooting. Well, what I'd like to see is around. that he got to the line. He, he, took eight, he took 8 free throws. Yeah. And to steal a little bit of your thunder here, uh, he played all five positions on defense. I mean, he was moving well on defense, off switches. He oh, was yeah. all over the floor. He, oh, yeah. As of right now, I would like to take away everything that I said. I know we're two games in. Sure. Everything that I said about him when we initially brought him onto the team because I was not excited about it. I thought that we already had enough uh, of whatever he could offer us, and I was wrong. So um, I, I hope that we see more of that from him. Uh, Blake Griffin was 8 of 16 from 3. Yeah, and, and and but the first eight, he was like eight of 11 or something, wasn't he? Yeah, it, but uh, from three. Or seven of nine. I think he was seven of nine from three, from three in the first half and ended up going eight of 16. And, it and just – He but, only made one two-point basket. The whole game, it just takes us back to what we were discussing initially, which was the identity crisis that everybody on this team is going through. I don't think anybody has a clue what the hell is going on. How does Blake? Why is Blake Griffin popping through like that? And don't get me wrong; he was hitting him, and that's awesome. I was you cheering. got the hot hand. Shoot it! I no, was you cheering got the, hot the whole hand, time. Shoot it. I just, you know what? I complained about him doing the whole back to the basket thing, and he decided to start lighting it up from three point, right. from three point land. So, if if that's what we got to do, that's what we got to do. That's cool. It's just the, but yeah, no, it's it's bad basketball. Like I, I I'm not gonna lie. Every time he made one of those three pointers, I was, I was just, I was pumped. But like, well, he'd shoot, and you're like, no, yeah, yeah. Right. exactly, yeah, right, right. right. It, it just... I feel like watching this offense is like watching, uh, watching us play in the playground when we're in school. We're like, hey, nobody has a clue what we're doing out here. Let's just try to find the open guy and let it fly. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and it, it he's is there. Like. He's like, I've got this. I've got this, and he doesn't got this. <laughs> I just don't know. I, Drew, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I know a little bit about basketball uh, and not like uh, as much as some people do. And I, I don't have some sort of uh, storied, you know, back history of being a basketball player to lean on or anything like that. But I just don't know what the hell they're doing on offense other than just trying to let either Blake Griffin, Derek Rose, or Killian Hayes, or Jeremy Grant figure it out and 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 the thing that i like about the eight free throws from jeremy grant is it shows me that he's he can figure it out he's the one guy 
on the team right now. And it, it and he screwed up so bad at the end of regulation uh, when, when, by not taking that shot in the corner. I don't know what the hell he was doing, but he's the one guy on the team right now, not named Derek Rose, that I trust to be able to get to the free throw line if the rest of the offense breaks down. You can throw it to yeah. him and maybe he'll get a foul. And, and he'll try to make a move to it. Yeah, for sure. Okay. It's time for a quick segment that I'm coming up with on the fly. It's called Starring Your Starring Matt, Pumped Up for Plumley. Pumped Up for Plumley. <laughs> Matt, Pistons Twitter has been brutal to poor Plumley, even after he's played well. I, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, bud. Can you give me just, just a minute or two on why we should be pumped up for Plumley? He leads the team in assists. <laughs> he, he does. Like, he, Do we need like, two minutes? Is that I, it? Was he that leads it? <laughs> the team in assists. He doesn't like to be pushed around down low. He plays with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. I mean, I know I'm a Pistons fan, and he's not nearly as good as Bill Lambeer was, but in a way he reminds me of Bill Lambeer yeah, with his little attitude down there. I they're going to butcher you for that, but continue. Uh, I, well, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying, like, we're all looking for, for things to believe in and, and, and things to love and and things to cheer for in these guys. And and there's just a little bit of that that bad boy. He just has a little bit of a swagger down there, and he he passes the ball really, really well for a man his size. I will say, and, and you know what? <laughs> It, his his ball handling is a it's a conundrum because sometimes he looks so good doing it and sometimes he looks like he's never held a basketball in his entire life. I don't know there what the hell's going on. There are times he looks on. like that that last pick chubby kid. Yeah, and there are times when he looked like he was the one doing the picking. So I, I get it. Yeah, it's just so his 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 ball handling is so weird and he can't catch the ball at all. I know I was supposed to say good things about him, but the dude can't catch the ball. It's it's <laughs> it sucks because he's a great passer and he's an excellent playmaker from that little high post area and from other places on the court too, but you got to get him the ball somehow and the man can't catch it. So I don't know. I don't, I, I like him. I I think he's a good player. I think he's a tradable player. I think he's a player that will probably be worth his contract for at least two thirds of it, at least three of the years we're paying or two out, two out of the three years we're paying him $8 million. He'll be worth $8 million to a team that needs a starting center. Who's going to do some things or needs a backup center. Who's going to do some things. He gets paid like a, people complain about his contract. So it's $8 million, man. Like it sounds like a lot of money to me, of course, but it's when you look at the salary cap, it's not that much money. When you look at how much money you pay a starting center in the NBA, it's it's not really it's that, not much, that money. much money. No. Yeah. yeah. So, in it, it's quality role player money, which is what I think he will be for at least two out of the three years that he signed the contract for, if he's in Detroit all three years, and he very well may be in Detroit all three years, and he he might even be decent all three years. You know what I'm saying? Like I I just mm-hmm. don't see the problem with that contract. He's not the reason that the, it, people seem to think he's the reason the Pistons don't have Christian Wood just because they play the same position. He ain't the reason the Pistons don't have Christian Wood. He's just not. Jeremy Grant is probably the reason the Pistons don't have Christian Wood. And here's the thing. You can't take 
what Christian Wood did in his first game, because of course the first game they had was canceled. Um, and I'm not quite sure how much of that we're going to see this season. Right. Probably, probably a quite lot. a bit. Probably a lot. But you can't take what you saw in his first game with the Rockets and think that that's any indication of what he could have done with this team. Because it's not. I, not on a night-by-night night basis. I think there is a little bit of an indication that he could do some of that with the Pistons. But what what is the what does the rotation look like? What does the defensive rotation look like with Christian Wood and and, and I almost said Mason Plumley. He probably wouldn't be on the team at that point. But uh, Christian Wood and Blake Griffin down low. It just it doesn't really look great. Uh, I would rather have Jeremy Grant be able to cover everybody's butt on defense, especially on a young team that isn't meant really to win now. Like I know we want them to win now, and and I I see a team that could that could make the playoffs if they did everything right. Like that's that's the kind of talent I see on the team, and I've already in this podcast gone over why. I, I think they're ranked so low by national writers and that they're really trending more towards a, a bottom third, but higher toward the middle in that bottom third team. Um, that if everything broke right for a handful of games could go over 500 or could go 10 games under 500. It just it depends yeah. on some weird stuff. And I hate to be that guy that's like, oh man, if you're going to lose, that's the way to do it. But it is. I mean, that's, that's literally is. what's happening. Like, we're competitive. Right. Um, they can't help but make it interesting. And that's the nicest way I can put that. Um, but if you're going to lose, this is the way to do it. I mean, they're, they're playing good basketball. They're in the games that they should be in. They should be in against the Cavs. They're, they shouldn't be getting blown out by them, and they're not. Same for the Timberwolves. I would say same for the Hawks, but I know we've got missing people. The true test to see what this team is actually going to be is if we're all playing. I say we're all like I'm, like I'm going to put on a jersey, but if they're all playing. Mm-hmm. And what they do against, we'll say the Celtics. The Celtics. Oh, the Celtics. The Celtics. The Celtics. What they, what they do against the Celtics, because <laughs> that's a good playoff team. Yeah. So, and so, like I said, they they might sneakily beat some of those teams just because those teams don't get up to play the Pistons all the time, especially if the Celtics come in on I think it's Friday, and the Pistons are zero and five. Yeah. Or yeah. 0 and, they would be, they could be potentially 0 and 4. At that point. They could be 0 and 4. And they play two games in a row, I think, against the Celtics. So they could be 0 and 5 for that second game against the Celtics and, and, and win. Find a way to win just because they're, you know, they're, they're the more hyped up team. They're the team yeah. that's got some of the Well, here's the right. thing. The reason I don't think that happens, not because I'm a Boston Celtics fan, but because they're better coached. They've got Brad Stevens, and he's a great coach. And I think he's much smarter and savvier than Wayne Casey. <laughs> okay, that's probably true. But uh, that accent isn't good enough to keep talking about the Celtics. It's not. No, we're going we're gonna to work on it as the season goes on. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I wanted to talk about from game two, uh, DeLon Wright, his numbers. I was numbers... hoping you were going to do that. His numbers looked really good, but one thing I'd like to talk about is that uh, Sexton, Sexton and Garland, they both torched him. The they dude was – they he was minus 23 for all the scoring he did. I think he had 15 or 17 points or something like that. For all the scoring he did, he was minus 23. So that yeah. that means that they scored like 38 points 
when he was on the floor. Okay, that's, but worth that's noting that too much. Blake, well, Blake Griffin plays all of the minutes, he said. He's minus 15 in his game against the Wolves and minus 16 in his game against the Cavs. And again, he yeah. plays a million minutes. Yeah. You take what you can and you leave what you can't. DeLon had 19 points. He did shoot the ball okay. well. I think that... Um, I think that I personally liked what I saw out of him, except for on defense. He did get absolutely torched. But Sexton is having a good season. I mean, he played well his first game. He's obviously done good his second as well. Um, Cavs are 2-0. and oh. Yeah, Cavs are 2-0. and oh. And I don't think that they're going to keep trending that direction. But Surely not. good for them. And here's the thing. The Pistons could also very easily be 2-0. and oh. Yes. We're eight minutes, four minutes in each fourth quarter. We're, we're Wendy's, bro. We're four for four. <laughs> we are four minutes in both in both games in the fourth quarter away from being two and zero, yeah. and we're having a completely different conversation right now. That's yeah, it. no, it, it. it's the truth, and, and 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 a lot of what this all comes down to is like, dude, it's only been two games, but some of what I see is just sa- some same old Pistons type stuff, where we don't really know what to do about our aging stars, and we don't really we have a coach that that doesn't know what type of team he's coaching. We have a coach who heavily favors veterans, even though our veterans aren't, I hate to say the best, and doesn't trust our rookies. Who so you might as like, why, like you, you say Delon Wright, he's playing so well. Why, why not at the end of game two, when Derek Rose is just blowing it? Why not? put DeLon right at the point guard and put Jay Jack or something in at the two and, and then leave the rest of the lineup the same. And why not give, why not give DeLon a chance to win that game? Why? I'm starting to think that Dwayne Casey has this idea that there are three point guards on this team. There's Derek Rose, there's Killian Hayes, and there's Blake Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> and those are the only three dudes that are allowed to bring the ball up the court unless we're on a fast break. I mean, it's it just so doesn't weird. seem like it doesn't seem like he trusts anybody else. Or, and I, I'm, I'm, hope I'm wrong. By the way, I'm going to be wrong as I say this. Or Dwayne Casey just isn't that. I gotta hate to say he's not that smart of a coach. He's an NBA coach for a reason. Sure. He's an NBA coach, but I just I, I don't know how he's not seeing what literally everybody else is seeing. And it's easy to be a Monday morning Monday morning quarterback. You know, it's it's easy to say. You know, put DeLon right in there because he's playing well. But, you know, maybe on offense when they're running their reps, he doesn't do that. And I would doubt that he does. Sure, they all know the offense. But if he's not practicing that position, maybe that's why we're not doing that. And Again, you look at what Killian Hayes did at the end of game one. So maybe he didn't put him in for Derrick Rose because he was afraid that that was going to happen again. And now it's like, well, why did you play Killian in the fourth like that both times knowing that he was going to blow it for us when we have Derrick Rose? And well, Derek but at this point, it, but at this point, Derek's already, he's already blown it in the fourth. Okay. So, but, but so Derek is going and he's up. already blown it in overtime. So by the time we get to the second overtime, it almost seems like there's some sort of cognitive issue going on that you don't give somebody else a chance to try to win you that game. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I like doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different, different results, results or whatever. Yeah. Is, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy, right? 
So like that's what that's what this feels like. It felt a little crazy. And and really the worst part of this game, we're talking about overtime. The worst part of this game was that Andre Drummond trade. I'm just saying that <laughs> actually okay, no. What I really want to say, the worst part of this game was ex- it was excruciating. The the first 8 minutes of the third quarter was so bad it was some of the most frustrating basketball you can imagine to watch as like a fan i'm a it fan. just felt like that oh. that we were talking about was gone if there was any it just wasn't there like it, it was it, yeah it was hard to watch man it was terrible it still was not as bad as that andre <laughs> Trimit trade you but for what? real, that third quarter was We had to watch awful. Andre Drummond cook us. That's the problem. Uh, okay. I, you know, I was – it was – you know, when, when, when they introduced him, I clapped in my living room. And I know that's the nerdiest thing that oh, anybody can really game. say. Yeah, it's super nerdy. No, 110%. No I more felt time. It was like very it was nerdy. such a shame that there was nobody there to, to, like, just give that man a hand for spending the first seven years of his career here and kind of, like, always, like – he. I mean – he didn't always play hard, but like he always seemed bought in to being a Detroit Piston, and uh, they kind of did him dirty. And I was I was bummed out because I think what? the sentiment, the overwhelming sentiment among Pistons fans, is that Andre Drummond did not give one hundred percent all of the time, and also was a very good player for this franchise for a long time and a fan favorite. He did what he was doing for us. He went for twenty three and sixteen. Right. Well, how much could we use that right now? And and again, Plum Dog Millionaire is doing good. Good for him, but he's still not Andre Drummond. I mean, he went for no. 23 and 16. He did exactly what he was doing for us, and we lost. Yep. And I'm sure that felt game. good for him. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that felt good for him. He played really poorly for the first probably two and a half quarters, but he really turned it on eventually. And uh, it kind of seemed to get the jitters out a little bit, and and he would be good on this team. You're, you're absolutely right; he'd be good on this team. And what I said, like I said, the problem with Andre Drummond really never has been a basketball problem; it's a money problem. Yeah, that's the problem with Andre Drummond. <clears throat> he is a guy who should be making a well above average for a veteran. NBA contract. He should be paid like a third banana on a good team. Yeah. yeah Instead he, of he, like, he's not yeah. Bosch. He's not Chris Bosch with Wade and LeBron. You no. Know, he's he's with Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin, who are who they are. I mean, uh, um, but imagine if you will, and I, I know it would never work out this way for whatever reason, but if Jeremy Grant and Drummond were together right now, You've got two guys. I mean, Grant obviously plays great defense. He's rebounding the ball well. I, you know, maybe Drummond's rebounds go down a little bit, but they play very well together. I don't Which I know it's all hypothetical. It. It's all hypothetical. Yeah, I don't want but... to think about it, Drew. You're rubbing it in, man. You're I'm not trying to rub it in. I'm not no, trying you're to rub rubbing it in. it in. And it's like, it's... <laughs> I don't like to curse, Drew, but I think what you're doing is very uncouth. Okay, I think it's uncouth as a Celtics fan to step in here and posit 
oh, imagine if your franchise hadn't did what my so franchise badly. did. Imagine if your franchise did what my franchise did. Oh, imagine <laughs> if your franchise wasn't so inept. And and you know, imagine if you had good coaching and and <laughs> great rotations where you had guys that went off in I, game one but didn't get any minutes in game two. I was telling my old man about you, and I told him you were a Celtics fan, and he was like, "Yeah, well, anybody could just buy their team." Oh, he's like, "Oh yeah, just go buy KG, minute. just go buy KG to come join Paul Pierce and yada yada." Oh, he he got really <laughs> salty about it immediately. You know, the Celtics so, kind of come off a little bit as privilege because, like, anybody could be like, "Well." But well, we drafted this team. We drafted all these guys. It's like, yeah, but with a, a small loan of a million dollars from your father of Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and, and Ray yeah. Allen, like yeah. with a small loan of just sending them off for all these draft picks that you turned right. into this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I get what you're saying. I'm not Danny trying... Ainge isn't playing the same game, everybody. Danny Ainge is playing 2K. Ever since he signed all those guys – Danny Ainge has been playing 2K and if just can, swinging whatever weird deal he wants. And if you can give me, I my don't really moment. like this first round pick. I'll trade him for three more. If you can give me my moment, and I, I can't do it in the accent because it's 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 just going to be brief. Danny Ainge is not the genius that everybody thinks that he is. And I'll leave it at that. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. He did a great job of rebuilding this team, but there have been multiple occasions where we have had three max contract guys that we let go. Or we didn't let go, but we just we couldn't keep. There was Kyrie Irving, there was Gordon Hayward, and I'm losing my train of thought. Um, oh, and and Al Horford. And we've had opportunities to sign and trade, or we've had opportunities to move these picks along, and we just don't. This is a Pistons podcast, so we're going to get back to the Pistons. But Danny Ainge is not the genius that everybody thinks that he is. Far from it. But ever since he had the opportunity to trade away Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce for all those picks, he's just been a guy who gets to hold a couple more cards in a poker game. Yeah. And you know what? Kudos to the Mets for finally doing something, albeit with free agency and not by drafting and and farming. But good for them for finally getting past that. This is really their first season where they're going to be competitive after making that trade. Oh, you better go knock on some wood, man, or you're going to get all kinds of weird vibes about Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant being the uh, – the. I mean, they're, that's a great core to build your team around, and I'm not trying to say it's not, but it's just like you get a cursed franchise and a couple of guys with some leg problems, and oh, boy. So uh, I heard the knock. That's good. I, yes. I feel like you've satisfied the satisfied the basketball, the basketball gods. gods. Yes. Uh, yeah, they look like they've got their their stuff together a little bit. Not to talk about them too much or whatever. I'm sure we'll get our chance. And that's the lovely thing about we're going to do this once a week, and and we'll get to kind of talk about every team a yep. little bit, which is cool. And we're going to get to talk about uh, the Celtics a lot next Sunday when we do this again. And uh, I haven't decided yet. Yeah, I haven't decided yet. I just haven't decided yet. I don't know. Maybe we'll put it to Twitter or, or Facebook or something like that and see if anybody actually cares enough to say whether you have to do that. I could probably get some of your family members or something to get involved and kind of influence the vote, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it, that, that Cavs game was – both games. It, it was tough. And I, I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think, I think it's going to be a difficult season to be an emotional and emo Pistons fan 
because there's going to be a lot of games where we're going to pull defeat right out of the jaws of victory. Yeah. Matt, let's get close to closing things out with a little bit of predictions. Obviously, we're, you've said that you're expecting for us to lose the next four. Um, but what are yeah. you expecting to see, um, assuming, again, that everybody's going to be back to the starting lineup by the time we get past the Hawks? What are you expecting to see in these next couple of games? Where, what improvements will be made? What could potentially be lost? I don't really expect to see any improvements. I expect even without Dwayne Casey and Derek Rose that Dwayne uh, excuse me even without uh, Blake Griffin and Derek Rose that Dwayne Casey will find ways to just I mean we probably still won't see Killian Hayes for but 10 12 minutes 18 minutes something like that and I, we're all going to be like oh I didn't I didn't realize that Dwayne thought that Jeremy Grant could play point guard. And like, oh, he doesn't think that. He just refuses to play anybody under the age of 25, you know. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't. I think that Hawks game is going to be this great opportunity to really get the, get the young guys a little bit of run. And yeah. I, I, think, I think Dwayne Casey's going to find creative ways to not do it. Well, we talked about Seiko being probable. probable. He, hopefully he plays We've got Sadiq yeah, Bey, whose minutes can only improve. Again, he's only played six in two games. Um, yeah. We've got, uh, you know, Svi could shoot the ball better. He, and, and I'm not saying that like, like he should. Like he will. He has to, right? He has to shoot better than what he has shot. So there's sure. improvement there. Um, you know, maybe a little bit more from Jay Jack. I'd love to see – and his minutes will go up. I'd love to see more of him. Um, anything, anything. But Wayne Ellington, I'd love to see anything <laughs> yeah. but Wayne Ellington, but he still isn't as bad as that Andre Drummond trade. No, he's, he sure isn't. He's not. No, every minute. I'd rather I'd rather Wayne Ellington was the starting shooting guard for the Detroit Pistons for this season. Come on, man. We've only done this a couple of times. Don't get Drummond me to quit. Trade. Don't make me quit. We just started this. Fine. Whatever. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I'm. I think the Hawks game is going to be the most interesting game to watch. And game two against the Celtics uh, will be really interesting as well. To see what kind of adjustments Casey makes defensively, actually, is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I'm thinking that it's going to be interesting to see whether the Celtics come out sleepy in game two. Because I think they're going to I think they're going to trounce the Pistons in, in that first game. But in the second game, I think it's next to Tuesday, mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, I, I think there's a chance the Pistons could win that game just because the Celtics might come out a little sleepy and it might be an opportunity to close out a game in the fourth quarter I and, and hold on to a lead. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Celtics win that game by eight plus points, but I don't, and that sounds closer than it, than it should be, but I don't think it's going to be a close game. Does that make sense? Like I think the, the, the Celtics will most likely control the pace of that game and, and do all the right things with that entire game. And maybe they set some starters and they, they bring it into, you know, ho- maybe hopefully less than 10 points. Cause I do want to see the Pistons do well, and, but it, it'll look closer on the box score than the game actually was. And that will open the door for a more competitive second game with them. Well, yeah. And I think the sun's going to rise tomorrow. You know, of course they're going to, of course they're going to beat the Pistons. Of course they're going to play better. I'm telling you one thing that might happen, Drew. 
I'm telling you something that might happen. And that thing that might happen is, hey, maybe maybe game two we actually find a way to win. Let's... Hey, dude, maybe they find a way to win game one and we're yeah. really in for a sweet game two. Yeah, or where, where the Celtics beat them by 40. Yeah, because you don't I wish their foot they won't... the gas. Yeah. yeah, right. And I have to sit through that because I eventually have to talk about it. Well, hey, uh, any any other closing thoughts that you have so far on those first two games? Anything else that you feel like we didn't get to? Maybe no, I, I think that we uh, I think we kind of covered the bases there. Um, and again, it's it's going to be a good game against the Hawks. We're going to see a lot of we're going to have a lot of questions answered. It's going to be like it's going to be like you just finished the last season and you're binge watching and you already get to watch the next episode of the new season like we we're going to have a lot of questions answered about a lot of guys um or not because we're going to have one game to see it and then everything's going to go back to whatever it was supposed to be um but i I do look forward to seeing a lot of these younger guys get better minutes it could be like watching season one of the office over and over and over again with ads with ads how long are the ads ads? how long are the ads is it i don't know i don't know it's peacock i don't have peacock i don't don't know how long the ads are NBC, get at me. We'll talk turkey. I'll promote promote we'll stuff. Talk I'll stop. I'll you just give me a free peacock with uh, all access to the office here in in January, and I'll tell everybody all about it. Okay, all right. Hey, let's talk again next time. Absolutely, sounds good. Ooh. All right, see ya. Oh yeah, we just one more thing. Sure. The game winning three pointer by Jason oh, Tatum. 